So if you've got your Bible or your phone, open up to the book of James in the first chapter, and I'll read a text from there in a moment. Um, and we're just going to look at one or about three or four verses this morning. Um, and we'll get into it. I'll just find James here. Just uh, before we read that, we know that, um, you know, when you, come, when you, when you meet Jesus, uh, you come, you pass from death to life, the Bible says. It says you were dead and then you're made alive. That's, that's very exciting. It's ex- that's very extreme when you think about it. You know, dead people can't do anything. They're, they're dead and they're, they have to come alive. You can't get involved in making yourself alive again. Only God can do that. And that's the story of us coming to Jesus. God has to do something. God does all the work. He sent Jesus to make us alive. He rose again into resurrection life. And there's no life apart from Jesus. And so as a sort of beginning statement, I just want us to remember that when we come to Jesus, it's not by any of our own good works, but it's by his grace alone. And it's through faith alone. There's no other way to come to salvation but by the grace of God and only God can do the work. You can't earn enough points. You can't earn enough brownie points, you know. Um, my daughter plays a, ga- a game on her iPad where she earns points and then uses them to purchase, you know, free stuff in the game. Sorry. She's not allowed to spend any money. She knows that. But the point is she earns all these things and then she buys something. When we come to Jesus, there's, no- there's absolutely none of that. You And actually, once you've come to Jesus, uh, that, is a, that is a key uh, thing to know, a key thing to understand, that actually we came to him by his goodness, by his great mercy, and we received the free gift of God, which is salvation. And so there, that is an essential platform. You know, when we wander from that, we end up in trouble. When we kind of begin to think that we need to add something to what Jesus did, or God might not like us so much anymore because we did something bad, we're beginning to uh, undermine the essential uh, knowledge that it's only the goodness of God that rescued us. And so we need to live our Christian lives with that as a foundational knowledge of something that we know and something that we never forget and continue to remind ourselves of, that God loved us and gave us a new heart through his grace and his power alone. When we gave us a new life, a new heart, you know the heart is like the affections. You know that when you're born again, when you, when you meet Jesus, you get a new heart, and that heart can, has new affections. And so something inside can change. You can change the outside, but God changes the inside, which affects the outside. God gives us a new heart. Something inside happens. And that's the story of salvation. We're given a new heart with new affections, and the Holy Spirit then begins to transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit goes to work on our lives. All right, with that said, let's have a look at James chapter 1, verse 22. And this is a little text so, um, we were reading, and I was chatting about it with Mark, and, uh, and we had a good discussion around this, and then we, uh, we thought it would be great to preach this in between a couple of series. James 1, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
And so here, James giving some hard-hitting uh, little uh, practical advice. He's writing, he's saying, be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer. And he writes this, James would have known Jesus very well. He's the half-brother of Jesus, so Mary and Joseph were his parents, and he grew up with Jesus. Um, and so he had a lot of, you know, uh, Jesus could have, a lot of opportunity to criticize Jesus, right? If Jesus was not a perfect, sinless person, James would have known about it because <laughs> he grew up in the family. If, you, if you've ever been... Uh, in a close environment with family or with friends even, you know that when you get close, you kind of, you begin to see the warts, right? <laughs> Anyone experience that? It was just me, just, just in my family perhaps. And so you get, when you get close, you begin to know things. James was very close with Jesus, and yet he says that we should do the words of, the words of Jesus. Jesus, he's actually just quoting Jesus really when you, when you begin to think about it. He's just repeating what Jesus said, particularly Jesus said things like, very similar to James, things like uh, in Luke chapter 6 where he says, Do you not call me Lord and Lord and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a house built on the rock. So Jesus says, when you come to me, you hear and you do my words. It's actually pasted right throughout the scriptures. Jesus in Matthew 12 says, uh, whoever does the will of my father, he is my brother and sister, my mother. And Father, he says um, in Matthew 20, go and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Jesus speaking. Luke 6, the one I just quoted to you already. And then he said in Luke 11, but blessed rather are those who keep the word of God. And he continues right through even Romans, the great book on justification by faith, which what is that? That's what I talked about earlier. God saves you by believing in him, not by anything you do. You, you, you are saved by the grace of God. Even Romans says, are not the, uh, for hearers of the law are, just, are not just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. <laughs> Romans 2. So there's this, this whole tension between uh, God's done everything and yet we're called to do something. Have you seen that? And uh, we're often told just to be, you know. Um, sometimes we're told, you know, just be, just be. Just know that, for instance, you're a, you're a son or a daughter of God and just let that sink in. And that's, one, that's true, that's powerful. Just be, you know, just know that you're redeemed. Just be, know that you're rescued and relax, relax. Just understand your identity, just be your identity in Christ. Just, just that's all you've got to do. Well, it's not quite true. Jesus and James aren't asking us just to sit there and ponder the great wonders of God's mercy, which is a very powerful and essential beginning block. But James and Jesus both say there's something more. There's something else. Become doers of the word. He says, don't, you know, um, not that you don't have to do anything. James says like this. He says, I want you to be doers. So part of the, the being is doing something. This is how James frames it. He says, don't just be relaxed and, and looking at God's mercy, but also part of that is be doers. And so there's a call to do something. Be doers. Being and doing are friends. <laughs> being and doing are great mates. <laughs> being and doing go together. They are not opposed to each other. Sometimes we can get this picture from, you know, you just, just relax in your identity i.e. don't do anything. No, no, they're just both together. Being and doing are big mates. They go together. There's no, they don't oppose each other. They're just big friends. 
And so James says we should be doers. So I want to maybe uh, give a little illustration here. And I wonder if I can have, have some help. I just need this table moved. So I probably need four blokes, Adam. If we can move the table, because I need the mat for this illustration. <laughs> and so being, being and doing go together. They f- they're friends. If you could just move it to the back. I need the mat, Stan. Sorry, I need the mat. Don't worry, we're having technical difficulties. No, there you go. I need the mat because I don't want to damage the floor. Now you're wondering, what is this illustration? Thanks, guys. So, these are three planks of wood. Um, I am a humble carpenter myself. <laughs> just, like, just like Jesus. And you can make a tripod. Watch this. A bit of carpentry, a bit of mathematics. I won't get into the math. It's, it's a tripod. Now, I was having, having a chat with someone this week, and they told me about uh, a, a chrysalis who do weekends away, and they, that this illustration comes from them. They talk about foundations to growing in Jesus, to growing up in Jesus. What, what are the, some core ingredients? It's not a perfect example. It doesn't cover all things, but... They, they show this picture of a tripod and they say one of them is prayer, one of them is study, and one of them is knowledge. Okay, so you can just imagine prayer, study, knowledge. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. So, so in order to grow up, grow in God, to mature in God, you need to talk to God, right? <laughs> if you have no communication, no relationship with God, you, you're not going to grow very much, right? In fact, if you take it out, what happens? It falls over. Okay, I'm putting, sorry, I'm putting it back up. Yes, maths again. Uh-oh. This illustration is falling over. Okay. So prayer is, uh, if we're going to grow in God, we need to have something, some relationship with God. And so I encourage you just pray. Talk to God. Talk to God. Engage with them. And two, the next pillar that says study. We need to learn more about who God is. So foundational understanding. God loves me. He's good. He's awesome. The more we study God, the more we know God, the, the, the more we grow in him. The last one, they say, is action. You've got to do something. Do you know that you can get a lot of information and do nothing? And you don't grow much. You just keep studying. I think in the West, in particular, this is, you know, this is our... Our probably one of our weakest elements. We love to study, you know, come to church, hear a nice sermon, get some more information. And probably prayer, you know, I might talk to God, but maybe not through the week. I'll just wait till next week when I can go and visit God again at sun, on Sunday. <laughs> and so in the West, we tend to have the study growth. We like, we grow, we're studying the Bible, we're growing lots, we're understanding a lot of things. But to grow in God, we really, is more than just doing or just talking with God, or just studying, they kind of all go together, right? They kind of grow up together. And so James isn't saying, oh, you know, just do stuff and don't worry about, you know, talking to God about anything or engaging with God. Just get on and do items. And he's not, and he's not saying you don't need to have any knowledge, you know, no knowledge of the Scriptures or no knowledge of who God is or what God is like. And so the, the illustration, I'll give you one more, one more part of this illustration, and these are, <laughs> I think... This is for us in the West, probably. <laughs> this is a very. This is what our tripod mostly looks like, right? 
There you go. There's our, there's our knowledge. Very, and then this is our prayer and our doing. is like, you know, just little, we get matchsticks maybe on one of them, I don't know. And so we can see that in order to grow something that's going to mature in God, you can't just have one. You need to grow in all that. I love that illustration. It's so helpful. You know? That's what James is talking. He's saying, I want you to become doers of God's word. Well, first of all, you need to know God's word, but you also need to do it. So they go hand in hand together. And so what you can ask yourself is, am I ready to do anything? The, the couple of questions are, are, do I know Jesus? If the answer is yes, then you are qualified to do something to do God's word. If you've met Jesus, then you qualify to begin doing things, to begin working with God. And that's so wonderful. And then James says it like this. He says, but whoever looks into the perfect law of God, the law that brings liberty and perseveres, being a hearer, not being a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in what he does. So James says, where do, we, where do we look? We look into God's perfect law. We look into his law of liberty. So not the law that brings condemnation, you know, some list of rules. I've got to do, I've got to make a list of rules on the fridge and try and do as many as I can. That's not the kind of doing that James is talking about. James says, no, we look into God's perfect law of liberty. The Bible says that Jesus was the word made flesh. We look to Jesus and we begin to imitate and copy him. That's, what we, that's the word that we're doing. We're becoming more like Jesus. The word made flesh. The law of Christ, Romans 2 says. What are the things that we can do? What are the things that when James says, do God's word, what are the things we can do? I'm glad you asked the question. That's wonderful. One of the things we can do is communicate with God. It's one of the pillars there. Pray. Talk to God. So I want to encourage you, if you just turn up on Sundays and never sort of speak to God during the week, start. Start talking to God. Richard spoke about a year or two ago on prayer. It was so wonderful. Just a refreshing uh, reminder to communicate with God. Talk with God. And so you can pray. So when people say, I don't know. I'm not growing in my walk with God. I don't know what to do. Well, great. You can pray. Talk to God. If you're struggling with something, take it to God. Communicate. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. You can love others. This is the perfect law of liberty. When Jesus said, uh, when they asked Jesus, what is the greatest command? He said, love God and love your neighbor. Okay, he said, this is the law of Christ. Just love other people. And so you've got a free pass to love anyone you like. <laughs> no one's going to come to you and go, whoa, hang on, Adam. Can you just, you know, stop loving other people so much? What we need is just a little bit less of that around here. Um, just dial it back. <laughs> Little, if you can not love so much, that would be great. Thank you. There's no, there's no one going to stop you from loving. There's this, this open door to love. And so I want to ask you, where, who can you love this week? How, who can you be kind to? You can have patience. <laughs> what can you do? You can be patient. Anyone been impatient before? I know I have. Just try be patient. And when do, when do you need patience? When you really are frustrated. Give someone space. Give someone time. Try it this week. You can actually just do it. Now, no, we won't go there now. Patience, kindness. You can be kind. Kindness normally is needed most often when, there's, when we really feel angry. <laughs> when we really feel like, I don't want to be kind. I want to be harsh. This is my, this is my, chance, to, this is my chance to 
really let them know what I think. And so James, James says, no, we can look into God's perfect law and just do it. And it's good for us. It's healthy. It's wonderful. Goodness. Try expressing kindness and goodness. Faithfulness is, is uh, something we can do. Faithfulness. Just be constant. Be faithful. Try it. Just constantly be faithful. Let your yes be your yes, Jesus said, and your no, your no. That's just faithfulness epitomized. And so there are things. I want to just encourage us this morning. I know we, we've, I hope I've spoken about the foundation of that God loves us and we come to him by his grace. But then there's this going together, this, this doing that goes along with knowing God. And so we can be gentle. In fact, Galatians says the fruits of the Spirit are all these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Against such things there is no law. You can just do them. You can Nike all of those. Just do it. <laughs> just Nike all of them. So, <laughs> thanks, Susie. Forgiveness is part of God's law of liberty. We can forgive. You don't need an exciting feeling even to do it. In fact, I'm pretty sure you'll have the opposite of an exciting feeling when there's a need to forgive someone. What is the opposite of excitement? <laughs> I don't know, but that's, what, that's probably what you'll be feeling. I don't want to do this. Forgiveness. All these are, put, are given to us by the Spirit for us to do. Not for us to intellectualize, not for us to learn more about, but to do them. This is the call of James. Go and do these things. Don't tick all the theological boxes. Yes, I believe in loving people. Yes, I believe in being kind. Yes, I believe in forgiving. No, no, James says, don't worry. You know them. Do them. And we're going to ask you for a moment. What do you... What can you do this week? Pick one. <laughs> Just start to do it. It's wonderful. And what is the manner in which we go about doing this? And so, doing, it's, it's always a nervous thing when you ask, when you preach on doing, you know, because people are oh, you're just being legalistic, telling them what to do. Mm, um, I'll tell you a story about our chickens that happened this week. <laughs> Only, only had them four days. But um, there was a roster that one of our children made to go up on the, on, the, on the fridge. Who will feed the chickens on Monday, on Tuesday, and who will, you know, who will do all the different things? Because there's great excitement that, of this new activity. And so um, we said to the kids, we, we, we don't want the kids in the yard yelling at 6 a.m. The neighbors, I don't, they don't like that sort of stuff. And so I said to the kids, all right. You can do that, but what you have to do is you have to have eaten your breakfast and gotten dressed for the day, then you can go do that. And so I kid you not, at 6.15 a.m., both of our boys are in our room, in our bed, eating their breakfast, dressed for the day, ready to go at quarter by six. We're going to go feed the chickens. Now they're super excited because it's something so wonderful, something so exciting. <laughs> they're super motivated to do, the, to do something, to eat their breakfast and get dressed, right? <laughs> And they did it very well. I can, I can tell you before the chickens, they weren't doing it that, that well. You know? it's like, I don't want to, oh, I don't want wheat picks. 
oh, I, don't, I want peanut butter. There's like some kind of mini war going on around breakfast. And they're taking their time. You know, I don't want to get dressed. Why don't I get, oh, I'm, you know, always some other reason to do something else. All of a sudden, 6.15, ready. We're like, Anna and I are still in bed. they like jumping on the bed, ready to feed the chickens, dressed, ready to go, eating breakfast. Made their own breakfast. No fighting, no nothing, just made their own breakfast. Now, why is that? It was because they had such an excitement to do it because they just wanted to, it was such an attraction about getting out there to feed the chickens and let them out. And you can see that this is really a motivating factor. You know, something in, in their hearts had changed to getting dressed and something in their hearts had changed to eating breakfast because they had a motivation behind it. Jesus is the most perfect, beautiful, exciting, joyful thing we can ever know. He motivates us completely. Now, we can lose sight of that. And I guarantee you, within about four weeks, the chicken roster will have been forgotten. We, it'll be, that'll be old news. It'll be, you know, don't want, I don't want to, no, well, I don't want weed picks anymore again. Or I don't want this and that. The point is, they have this love and this excitement which completely motivates them. And they're able to do what they never could do in the past. Now, in time, that'll fade. Our point is, when we walk with Jesus, it's the same. Jesus is forever new, forever beautiful, forever the most excellent. When we look at him, when we know him, he is the most motivating, exciting, beautiful, joyful thing we could ever know. And so doing is just easy. And so when we do, that's the way in which we do. We do it by looking at Jesus. We don't do it by trying harder like my kids used to. Now they have motivation. I want to say that you will in time, of course, you will lose sight of Jesus. Anyone ever done that? Just me. Yeah. You, you can lose sight of Jesus. And that's when normally, you, you know, you, your motivation wanes, your love for God wanes. The remedy is to look afresh upon Jesus. To look afresh upon Jesus, to regain your love, your excitement, your joy in Him. And He is perfectly all those things. He is perfectly all of those things. There's nothing, uh, like chickens are exciting, but Jesus is way awesome, most exciting, beautiful, complete, whole, amazing thing ever. And we just need to keep reminding ourselves, refreshing ourselves of that. When we lose sight of Him, we can always find Him again. Not that he was lost, but we were. <laughs> we can, if we lose sight of him, we can always find him again. So I wonder if you imagine with me a, a big graph with one axis going up, one going across. And the one going up is knowledge, growing in knowledge, you know, learning more things about God. Number the, way, the axis going across this way is doing things, doing something, acting upon something. And the, where we want to reach is just our growth in God is right in the top corner. If you, if you, I hope you know what I'm talking about, those kind of graphs where they say, how do you get to this point? So the top is just our growth in God, our walk, our forward movement with God. And to be honest, knowledge just can only go up, but it doesn't give you forward movement with God. It doesn't grow your walk with God. It just grows your knowledge. Doing something, taking action actually begins to grow your knowledge of God. I'm not saying we don't know, need to learn or do anything, but action is very much part of growing in God, not just knowledge. And so you can actually just do something, and it's not opposed to knowing something. 
you can actually just do something even if you don't feel like it, even if you've lost your motivation, even if you've lost your sight of Jesus, you can actually just begin to do something and it actually begins to shape you. In fact, psychologists and doctors tell us the same thing about health, physical health and mental health, that you, there is knowledge that you can learn about it, but then you have to begin to do something. You have to begin to take vitamins or begin to take some medication to fix, or go on a walk or begin to ex- or stop eating. You have to do something to fix your physical health and mental health as well, that you can begin to do things that help you. And so the point is, even with our walk with Jesus, we can begin to do things that help us, even when we maybe not um, excited even about it. And so you can just love someone. Be kind. It grows you. You don't have to have the fuzzy feeling. You can just begin to do. And this is what James is saying. He says, let's put your knowing and your doing together. So James says, be doers. Be doers. Being and doing. Buddies together, mates, not opposed to each other. Count it all joy as we sort of begin to land this. I want to go back to James's first opening line where he says, I want you to count it all joy, brothers. James chapter 1. Verse 1 to 4, 2 to 4. Count it all joy when you face many trials of many kinds. For you know that these are testing your faith, which produces steadfastness. And steadfastness, when it has its full effect, that may have its full effect, that you might be perfect and complete. Some translations say whole. You may be whole and complete, lacking nothing. Trials, pressures, difficulties. James says steadfastness in God actually then begins to produce in you wholeness, completeness. If you just learn things, you actually don't move towards wholeness and completeness. We learn things about God, but we also act out His Word. We do something with it. Not to earn God's love or earn God's love. He loves us already. He rescued us already. But growing in God is not just a matter of learning. It's a matter of walking it out as well. So I want to encourage you. Is there some, maybe an ways this week to think about as you go along. What can I just do? Even if maybe I don't feel like it, what can I just begin to do to honor God's word and to respond to God's word? And it kind of works together because the more you do something, the more you learn something. You know, you can hear something and not, it doesn't really go in well. any, Any blokes out there know what I'm talking about? You hear something doesn't mean you, you, it's even really a part of you. Sometimes I've heard the same thing a few times and, <laughs> and hasn't registered. <laughs> That's what James says. Don't just be hearers, but there's something about doing which God's put in us that actually when you, once you've done something, you kind of like all your knowledge is just solidified and you kind of are like, yeah, I understand that because I, I understand for how forgiveness works. It's not just a theory. I had to forgive someone. And wow, wow, it's so freeing. God's perfect law brings liberty. I'm actually more free now just from that than I was before I just had the knowledge. My steps have brought me into liberty. God's law actually brings us into liberty, James says. Look intently into the law of liberty. You know, when we do things God's way, it always makes us more whole. We grow. When we ignore God's word, when we just know God's word but don't do it, we actually slowly break ourselves down. And that's how... that's. That's why doing becomes such an important part of growing in God. So my encouragement this morning to you is, or from James and Jesus, is be doers of God's word. Look intently and persevere as Jesus did. 
Jesus persevered. Galatians 6 says, let us not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. But at the proper time in the due season, you will reap a harvest. So don't give up. So then as, as much as you have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Do good to everyone as much as you have the opportunity. Be kind, be good, be gracious, love God, love others. Especially, he says, to those in the family of God. Especially to, the, to those in this family. Take, a, take an extra, extra effort to be good, to be kind, to do good, to love others. Especially in the family of God. So there's some practical encouragement this morning. Um, I wonder if we can maybe think this week as we go out, God, what are some of the things that I might be able to take a hold of and do? Choose one and say, yeah, I'm going to try and do that this week. I'm going to do, do something. Do. I'm going to put feet, legs to what I know in Jesus.